Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello and welcome to the Squiggly Careers podcast. I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah. And this is a weekly podcast to support you with your career development. Whether you're experiencing some brilliant ups or maybe a few challenging downs, we are here behind the scenes to help you with ideas for action and things to build your belief. That's what this podcast is all about. And there are over 250 episodes to support you with your career development. And before we dive into today's topic, which is all about managing your monkeys, which might not sound like your career, but I promise you it will help you <laughs> to take control of your time. We did just want to say a quick thank you and shout out to our producer, George, who has produced the Squiggly Careers podcast nearly every episode. I think he was with us nearly from the very beginning and you won't ever really see him or hear him, but we love him oh, and, he makes, and he makes us sound better than we probably would otherwise. You might not believe it, but he does edit out some of where we go really wrong or sound very rubbish or get interrupted by cats or kids. So without him you wouldn't have the podcast that you have today, which is very much credit to George. And he always listens to every episode and he sends us really lovely emails as well. So he sends us emails with feedback. He does what worked well even better if. I feel like he's really taken to heart everything that we talk about. And when he let us know that he's off to do some really exciting audio projects, he even said listening to Squiggly Careers has really influenced him and helped him to make those decisions, which on one hand made me really <laughs> happy. And I was thinking, oh, I feel really proud that we can be useful for people. And on the other hand, I was thinking, oh, but please don't leave us. So it's a bit of a catch-22 occasionally, career development that actually works. But we wanted to say thank you to him. And also we can't be territorial about talent because that's what we talk to organisations. That's the wrong thing to I do. Know. It's so you annoying, know, isn't it? You know. It's so annoying when you have to practice what you preach. Good luck, George. <laughs> and hope you, you are listening to us in the future. And thank you for helping us to find our listeners today. The Squiggly Career Podcast isn't going anywhere, anybody. No. We're, we're just gonna, there's going to be another George. It's just George has been pretty special. So we wanted to say thank you. Yeah. So on to managing your monkeys. So this episode is inspired by one of Harvard Business Review's most popular and most read articles, which was all about this idea of managing your monkeys. Now, slight word of warning, I've reread that article and it was written in the late 70s. So some of the references don't really hold up today. There is, I was saying to Helen, there is a bit of chat about like heading onto the golf course, <laughs> as if that's where business happens. <laughs> but as long as you take it with a slight pinch of salt, some of the principles and the ideas about managing your monkeys, I think are still really relevant. So let's talk a bit about what this is and what it means, and then we'll get into ideas for action. 
So a monkey is essentially a job to be done. A monkey is an action that you need to take or a task that you need to do. And we all have lots of monkeys to manage. We probably all feel like we already have too many of our own monkeys to manage at any one point in time. The real challenge is that we often end up adopting other people's monkeys too, so that we have even more work to get through. It probably causes us to feel overwhelmed and it probably also means that your own monkeys don't get looked after. Now, you can get really caught up in the monkey metaphor, I know. believe me. <laughs> when I was writing it, I was like, holding my monkeys and feeding my monkeys. And yeah, is it bad to say killing a monkey? And I was like, just, just leave the analogy behind somewhere, Helen. <laughs> well, apparently, and this does tell you a little bit about when this was written, one of the original authors of that article apparently used to walk through airports in the US with like a monkey on his shoulder. Because he was almost famous, because he was on like the speaker circuit. I know it's really strange, but I was quite enjoying getting way too deep in a weird rabbit hole of like when this article came out and just, they basically created a whole career around this one article. It was fascinating. (laughs) But the point being that when we are trying to get control of our time and to make progress on our priorities, so I think there's a really strong link here with prioritization. If we've got all of these monkeys flying all over the place and kind of clinging onto us, It means that we can't see the wood from the trees and we're probably not doing the right things in the right order. And sometimes this happens, I think, because someone may be in a position of power. Maybe that's your manager. Maybe that's somebody else with influence gives you a monkey and you feel like you can't say no. Maybe you're naturally really helpful. So you end up almost proactively adopting these monkeys, maybe without even realising you're doing it or you're just doing it to be useful and then you suddenly realize you've got too many of them and I think we are often all a bit unrealistic about our own capacity about what we can do in the time that we've got so this skill of managing our monkeys I think is relevant for all of us it did make me think about whether you're more of a monkey taker for the reasons that you just said there Mm -hmm. or a monkey giver or maybe you're a bit of both and just thinking about as well as what monkeys you might be taking and why, what monkeys are you giving and to who and how effectively and fairly do you give those monkeys? So I was reflecting on me and I was thinking that sometimes when I give people monkeys, so some different things to do to help support me, I don't think I'm very, because I'm not very good at asking for help, I don't give my monkey with lots of care instructions. As in I don't say, this is the (laughs) monkey and this is how to help the monkey. I'm just like, here's something that I need some help with and I just sort of drop it and hope someone will catch it. But because I don't think I'm a very good monkey giver, I'm trying to give my work away because either I don't want to do it or can't do it or think someone could do it better because I'm not very good at asking for help. I don't think I do a good monkey handover was my reflections for myself on this. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I think, and one of the things that you and I have talked about is naturally I think one of my strengths is I'm good at asking for help and I am a good prioritizer in the main I'm I'm quite good at being focused in terms of what needs to happen when but I do also think there's a tipping point where I think I give people monkeys that shouldn't belong to them that probably I should keep for longer so almost the same as you but I think for very different reasons so I think I give my monkeys to other people probably don't do that in a way that's useful and probably give too many away, I should probably hold on to more of them or maybe for longer or don't give them at the right time. So we'll, we'll keep exploring it. But it is, it is a two-way street, I think. The more I thought about this, because originally the article was written from the perspective of managers, of managers feeling like they were being given all of the monkeys of all the people in their team in quite a command and control 
environment, which I think for most of us, we are moving away, hopefully, from working in a way that feels tell and where it's all about kind of hierarchies. But I think probably we all have a natural tendency to be maybe slightly more one or the other. I would say you're more of a monkey adopter overall. If you're thinking about the which way do you skew, like you definitely yeah, I do. want I to do, help. Yeah, I keep the monkeys for too long. And I, 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 I've, I've talked a bit later about being a monkey hoarder was how I, I, I was thinking <laughs> about it for myself. I think you're definitely a monkey giver. And the yeah. challenge is that you give a lot of monkeys all at the same time. And I think in, <laughs> you do like, and this, and this, and this, and this. And the, and the slight challenge is that I think in your mind, you know which are the most important monkeys. But because you're generating monkeys so quickly that I don't think other people do sometimes. And so you'll have an mm. expectation about, well, which monkey's going to get sorted first, but other people are just trying to catch them. Um, and so I think that's probably, I'm hoarding them and <laughs> holding them for too I'm long. I'm throwing them left, these poor little monkeys are being thrown <laughs> left, right and centre. How about this one? Try this one, try this one. People are like juggling all these monkeys all over the and place. And I'm like, don't leave me. Keep me company, monkeys. <laughs> so needy, so I'm, needy. I'm, that's the worst thing. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Moving on. <laughs> and we're going to talk about this less today because we're really going to focus on you and you managing your own monkeys. But I do think there are some important conditions that need to be in place that help everybody to manage their monkeys. So if you're in a position to influence and to impact team environment, organisational culture, I think just thinking about how people's ability to do this is also impacted by things like trust. So where you've got high trust teams and psychological safety, that means it's much easier for everybody to be able to manage their own monkeys because if you are worried about making mistakes or failing, perhaps you then feel like you have to give your monkeys away too soon because what happens if you get it wrong? And so perhaps that is when managers end up with too much work or perhaps you seek other people's approval too often because you get nervous and scared about what are the implications if people didn't feel involved all of the time. I've definitely been in teams where that has felt quite true. You feel like every step of the way you sort of need to involve lots and lots of people because you aren't just trusted to get on and do things. There's quite an interesting link to trust here. There's also a link to problem solving skills. So there needs to be an emphasis in organisations on if you want people to take initiative and to have accountability and ownership, which everybody does, everybody describes that as a we want people to have more accountability, then you've got to sort of give that as well. You've got to give people the skills to solve problems. You've got to give people the space and the ability to experiment and to try different things out. And so I think we can't say on one hand, oh, we need everyone to be really good problem solvers, but then equally not help people with, well, how might you do that? What are some of the skills that could be useful? And what this doesn't mean, and we don't want to kind of make this mistake, is it doesn't mean that you don't ask for help or that you involve other people. I think there could be an implication as you work through some of this that you think, oh, does that mean that I should do everything by myself? And that's absolutely not true. It is much more about being really clear on who is accountable for what and at what point do those things change. And I think often being quite conscious about the choices that we are all making about the work that we do and the order in which we do that work. The more I read about this, the more I got to that as a conclusion. I thought that's what we're trying to do because if we are conscious of the choices and we also do that together, we will all be more in control of our time. And when we, when we feel more in control, we do better work, 
we feel like we have more freedom, we feel like the work we do is more meaningful. So we're all looking for that control. But I think these monkeys often leave us feeling quite out of control. They're very cheeky, very cheeky monkeys. Cheeky, cheeky monkeys. Um, so we have three useful coach yourself questions. We think they're useful. You can tell us if they are, but to basically get you to the level of awareness that Sarah and I've got to about what's our behaviour around these monkeys that take away our time or that we use to take away other people's time. So the first coach yourself question is, what direction are my monkeys coming from? And to give you some examples here, they might be coming from above. So maybe they're coming from your manager. Your manager's shooting quite a lot towards you. Maybe they're coming from your side. Maybe your colleagues are giving you quite a lot of monkeys from their projects, for example. Maybe they're coming from your team. Like if you manage a team, maybe that, like the original article, maybe it's the people that work for you that are giving you lots of monkeys for whatever reason. Or maybe they're coming from the center. Maybe you are self-creating yourself a whole load of monkeys for whatever reason that might be and I was thinking I think a lot of my monkeys Sarah are self-created like I think I just like (laughs) I can see Sarah on the camera now everybody and there were some some raised eyebrows at that point but yeah I do I like start loads of things off and I create things because I think they're going to be helpful for other people but then I keep them for too long and I think that yeah that, that I'm not always the best person to grow that monkey up should we say what about you Sarah what direction do you think the monkeys that you have come from I think similar to you that I definitely create my own monkeys and then I think I make some choices that I often don't involve other people in, in terms of what order do I think I should do those monkeys? Because I'm quite independent and I like working by myself and I think that's also partly from being an introvert. So I think sometimes I'm not very good at involving people in what am I doing and in what order back to that point. So I do think it is slightly different to you and I think lots of the direction of my monkeys are from me to other people that was quite a big revelation for me as I was going through this I was thinking in some ways I think that's a good thing I don't that's necessarily we're saying it's bad I think I'm confident in delegating I'm good at prioritizing that does make me good at what I do I keep telling myself that I feel like I need to keep telling myself that like it's true the more I say it the more it'll be true I was like it is this is a good thing I am good at this but I think there might be times, as you've described, where am I always doing that in the right way, in the most effective way? I've sort of got a skill that maybe needs some honing or I need to get some more feedback on because I don't think I've ever really thought about it in this way. I actually think probably I just thought, oh, this is something I'm good at. That's useful. Whereas this has added a sort of layer of nuance where exactly as you've described, oh, okay, brilliant. I'm great at sort of getting rid of those monkeys, but then I... Am I really understanding how that feels for other people? Am I really helping people to do those monkeys in the right order? All those kind of things we started to describe. So I think my directions go from me. My monkeys go from me to other people. So the second coach yourself question is, what does managing other people's monkeys look like for you when you're doing it? And so for me, for example, if I'm with monkeys, I often think that it's quicker to do it myself. So I'll just sort of take someone's monkey on because I'll be like, well, yeah, you, you could keep it. But if I do it, it'll be quicker. I rarely think it'll be better. I never go, I'm better at this. I just, I often go, I can do it quicker. I can make it happen faster. And I think that attraction to quick work makes me grab at monkeys. I'm like, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. And then sometimes I sort of drown in monkeys and I don't get anything done. It's my slight problem with that kind of approach. What about you, Sarah? this is about managing other people's monkeys if I'm honest I think I just don't do it I was I was just thinking (laughs) I'm gonna give you some I'm gonna give you some of mine I know but I was thinking of examples of things you've given me I think I just don't do it I think I just think (laughs) I'm trying to and I think I become a bottleneck because 
Perhaps if, if I can't think of one now, and I can't think of I know, one. Keep exactly. actually taken off me. I don't think I. I don't think I do. Or sometimes I think you suggest it, and I sort of go, Meh, nah, doesn't sound like a job for me. So I definitely hold on to monkeys because I. I do feel like sometimes I'm like, this makes me sound awful, but I can become a bottleneck. So I think sometimes when I get very attached to my monkeys, there's no way I'm going to let anyone else close to them because I'm like, hmm, they might ruin it. <laughs> I get too, I do definitely get a bit too attached to them. But I think that's a slightly different thing. But I don't think I spend very much time managing other people's monkeys because I think sometimes people probably try and send a monkey my way. And I sort of go, yeah, no, thanks. And I can't work out yet whether that's a good thing because the point is we don't want to be managing other people monkeys but at that point there probably is some sort of underlying question around okay but if someone is trying to do that is that because they need help is that because they think that they're not the right person to do it or is that something we should choose to deprioritize together rather than you just getting one more monkey on your list because that might be what happens I think sometimes you try to give me a monkey and I'm like yeah no and then you think she's not going to do it probably true and so you just add it onto your list versus us being honest about it and saying okay it feels like neither of us have got time for that job to get done right now so Sarah ultimately this should be your monkey this should be your accountability but we are consciously recognizing we're going to wait until this moment or until that project's done versus you just kind of adding it onto some really long random list I think as well there's a point and this is not me passive aggressively saying you're not supportive because you're very supportive but I think sometimes when somebody has a lot of monkeys on even if you don't want to do the monkey you might just say I'll adopt it for a week like you're not rehoming it permanently but you're just going look I'll I'll take that on I'll sort that project out or I'll go to that meeting or I'll work with that client or whatever it is just to support somebody whilst they're you know, managing monkeys that might be their own, but have just become a bit unmanageable for whatever reason. Maybe one monkey's become a bit challenging or a bit bigger than it was planned to be. And just that little bit of adopting it for a moment might help someone take control of their monkeys as well. And the third coach yourself question is, what is stopping you from saying no to a monkey? So Sarah, you seem to be very good at this. (laughs) Like, What's helping you to say no to a monkey is a better question, I think. (laughs) Well... I think my default and automatic response to a monkey is not yes. And I think for lots of people it is. People are like, oh yeah, I can help. Or they feel like they should say yes. So they start with yes and then have to kind of work from there. Whereas I think I'm annoying and I start with a question or I want to make sure I really understand. And so sometimes I probably interrogate that monkey. I interrogate and I think, well, why are we doing this? Why is this important? How does it link to our objectives? How does it relate to the other priorities we've got at the moment? Probably all good, quite interrogation style questions. Those questions then do mean that that monkey is less likely, I think, to transfer to me. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That just helps maybe that person to figure out like, oh, okay, well, I was a bit stuck. And hopefully maybe I've unlocked somebody's thinking or helped them to figure out what they might do next. And to your point about support, hopefully then still continuing to offer some support with that person to manage their monkey, but rather than just taking it. So I think because I have a naturally questioning approach and I don't default to yes or being super helpful straight away, that probably helps me. It's not like I'm saying no outright, Mm. but I don't have a default of yes either. I think what stops me saying no, um, I find this quite a useful question actually, is 
I think some unhelpful patterns of behavior I have linked to my confidence gremlin. So one of my confidence gremlins is around like a fear of coming across as a difficult person. And that stops Mm. me in loads of ways, asking difficult questions, all kinds of things. But I think I have a learned pattern of behavior because of that confidence gremlin, which sometimes gets in my way of saying no to a monkey because I don't want to come across as difficult because of that confidence gremlin. And so if I could reframe my thinking so that, saying no is not difficult like actually saying no means I could do other things better then I could, yeah. I could probably be much better sometimes than saying no to a monkey but I I still have a learning journey to go on I think with, with, <laughs> with that so I do think it's quite interesting to almost map out your monkeys so map your monkeys which how much time do you spend on your own monkeys how much time do you spend on other people's monkeys where are those monkeys coming from I start to visualize like this flow of these monkeys all over the place even asking all of those questions and thinking the things through that we've just talked with, I think both of us have come to new awareness and insights that perhaps were lurking, but it sort of brings them to the surface yeah, in, in actually a, very, a really helpful way. It's so tangible, I think, isn't it? Just, just having that context to think time management through. And probably even better if you can do this. If you have got a high trust team, even better if you can do this together. So you might want to do some of this thinking for yourself first, but I think conversations with your manager about this, conversations within small teams, as we've started to describe this, I think this is most useful actually for our amazing if team, as well as for yourself, it kind of makes it even more powerful. So that's also just something for I think everybody to have in mind. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So let's talk about some ideas for action now. And these ideas for action, we hope, will really help you with what could you do differently to spend more energy and effort on your own monkeys. So on those things that are important, that matter to you, that are going to help you to achieve your objectives and do the things that are important in the role that you do, how can you make those changes in terms of spending time on your monkeys? So the first one is about the difference between dependency versus helpfulness. So dependency is doing it for someone. 
So that is, I've adopted someone else's monkey and I have done their job for them, essentially. And helpfulness is helping someone to help themselves. And I think this is particularly useful if you are a natural helper. Sometimes people describe it as like a people pleaser. I talked about my default is more to ask questions and maybe no. I think loads of much nicer people's default is to say yes straight away and just to be really helpful. And we feel good when we help. We get that natural helpers high. And so it's really understandable kind of why this happens. And I think the reality is sometimes, I think as you've described, Helen, the other reason that sometimes we create this dependency is we think, well, if I do it for them, I can just do it quicker. And maybe our ego does sometimes get in the way and we think, well, if I do that for them, it will be better, if we're being really honest. Sometimes maybe you're just a natural helper. Sometimes it's about pace and speed. Maybe sometimes it is about your own judgment in terms of getting to a good outcome, getting a good job done really well. So I think there's loads of reasons why this dependency happens. I even remember, Helen, you describing this sometimes in some of the leadership roles that you've been in, where you think you've noticed a point where you've created almost an unhelpful dependency in your role as a manager. So to give a specific example of how this might show up, I was trying to think about in my working week, what might this look like? Let's say somebody has shared a presentation with you. I think a dependency is thinking there are some changes that need to be made to this presentation and you just make those changes directly. So you just go in, you sort of take over that presentation. So you're taking that monkey and you go, right, I'm going to mess around with that slide. I'm going to change that. I'm going to sort those words out. And you just sort it. There's no sort of explanation to that other person about why you've changed anything or what you've changed. You just make those changes and then it's done. So the job is done. But what happened there is you've created dependency on someone else going, oh, well, I need to give that presentation to Sarah because she then needs to do those things before we can do anything with it. So that's essentially creating a bottleneck. I see myself in that, Sarah. Ah, sure. <laughs> I see you in this. Um, as I was writing it, I was like, this is Helen. Um, or the alternative, and this alternative does sometimes take longer because you are adding to a process, is when you get that presentation, you provide feedback. So if I think about how I try to give feedback on presentations, I try to resist the temptation to actually change a presentation and I try instead to write comments and to explain the changes that I would recommend or that I'm suggesting and also explain why I think that might be a useful thing to do. But I don't make any changes directly on the presentation. It goes back to the person whose piece of work that is and then that's up to them to then make those changes. So at that point, you have still supported and been helpful. I think it both takes longer and you have added to that process But what you have done by the definitions that I wrote for us, so there's no science behind those definitions, is I do think you have helped someone to help themselves because you have helped someone to get better. It's very much a kind of growth mindset attitude to learning and developing. Whereas in that first example, all you have done is got the job done, but you've not helped the person to learn and grow. All this is making me think is that you have a very harsh approach to managing your monkeys, which is quite effective. And I am—I <laughs> have a desperate need to get better. <laughs> this is what this is making me think. You say, well, oh. harsh? Me? Oh. Um, yeah, just, just ever so slightly. Well, I think idea for action number two might help me with that okay. capacity so limit. Okay, you now someone that's going to make me... You've already said that I look harsh, no, and now you're just going to make me look is, even worse. No, this, is, this is another idea for development for me. I think you're oh, okay. fine. This is about <laughs> saying no or not yet to a monkey, which it turns out you don't even think about. You just do by default. <laughs> okay, so, let's help people with this then. Yeah, let's help people. Let's help Helen. Uh, then I've got more capacity to do all the other stuff that we need to do. So this is about having a vocabulary, like a vocabulary for saying no, basically, because 
because part of my problem is that because I might not have a different option to say, I say yes by default, you know, but if I actually, because no feels harsh <laughs> and I'm not harsh, uh, but no feels harsh and awkward for me. So I, I might default to a yes just because I've not got a better thing to say that feels okay to me. So having a vocabulary in your back pocket can help you to not automatically adopt a monkey. So some things that might be useful for you here are if then statements. So rather than going, yes, of course I can, instead try if then. So, okay, Sarah, well, if I take that project on, then we're going to have to look at what doesn't happen this week. And I hear that from Sarah all the time. She, Sarah says that all the time. It's really powerful. And that's powerful. okay, right? You no, know, it, re- it is really powerful. It doesn't come <laughs> across as harsh. It always makes me think that's really irritating because that means that we have to stop something. But I always know it's the right reason to feel like irritated. Mm-hmm. I'm not irritated by you. I'm more irritated by, oh, you're right. <laughs> I don't know, you're borderline right. at the moment. I'm sensing. <laughs> I, promise, I, promise, I promise not. I promise not. It's more, it's more, it's an irritant. And I'm like, it's, that is the right thing to say. And it's more that it calls me on. Oh, I would have just done that. The if then, very, very helpful. The other thing that you can do is to challenge the urgency of the monkey. So sometimes you might say yes, and you might make assumptions. I sometimes create the deadlines and I don't even validate them with people. So I'll be like, yeah, of course I will. I don't even know why you do this. Because I like urgency, don't I? And but I, so I then no, create but... myself the urgency. I'm like, yeah, of course, no problem at all. Friday, is that okay? And they're like, yeah, Friday's great, thanks. And I'm like, oh, you sound a bit too enthusiastic about me getting that to you by Friday. I probably could have done it two weeks later. So I think asking somebody, when does that need to be completed by? And even if they say, most people actually give you a fair deadline, I think. I think the most challenging deadline is the one I create for myself. So for me, even just saying to people, and when do you need that by, often comes with a much fairer deadline. And even if the deadline that they do share is a challenging one, you can then bring back in the if and then thing that we just talked about. So using those two in tandem can be quite useful. The third tactic that could be useful is when you feel like, no, I shouldn't take this on, but no feels a bit harsh. Think about the no being not me. So this is where you might play back. So Sarah might say, oh, Helen, we've got this project that needs picking up. And I might say to Sarah, "Okay, what are some of the skills that that particular project that we think needs? And then you can talk about, "Okay, well, if what we need is someone with attention to detail and who's really good at finishing things, realistically, I don't think I'm the best person for that. But I do know that this person in the team has those skills and might be a better fit for that thing we want to take forward. And so it's a way of you basically doing the no not me so the monkey still gets picked up but by someone who's much more appropriate to do it just my one caveat on that is just be careful of like throwing a monkey around and being like no not me you know someone else is going to catch it today do it very specifically with an understanding of who would be a better fit to take it forward and also to our point earlier I think doing this together is important because you might think oh somebody else would actually really enjoy working on this monkey or someone else is really well suited to this but having a conversation with them in terms of well, what is their capacity at the moment, do what would they need to stop doing that if then? I think we can also all help each other with this. Like even as we've talked today, there are things you'll be able to help me with in terms of the way I just give other people my monkeys. Um, Monkey breeder you. <laughs> and I'll be able to help you and hopefully do help you with some of those things like if then, like I do challenge you on the urgency and I see you, you don't like it, but I just keep doing it. So <laughs> good at it. That's good. And so I think because this is hard, if this was really good, we would all feel in control of our time all of the time and none of us ever feel like that. So this is why I think being able to almost have somebody to help you stay accountable 
to managing your monkeys. And hopefully that might be a brilliant manager. But I think that could also be a peer-to-peer relationship or just someone you get on really well with at work, I think can help you with this just as well. So idea for action three is this idea of level five initiative. So this does come from the original article, the HBR article, which we will link to as part of the podcast. And this is this idea of for every monkey that we have, it's worth thinking about the level of initiative and ownership that you can have on that over that monkey. And the idea here, and this bit I have made up to be clear, is aiming for 80% level five initiative. So let me talk through the levels of initiative and then hopefully this will become clear. So level one initiative is waiting to be told. So very passive. I sit here and wait for Helen to tell me what I should do. Level two initiative is I ask what to do. So that would be me asking Helen saying, what should my monkeys be? Can you tell me what you want me to do in what order? So I'm sort of asking Helen. Initiative level three is you're recommending for approval. So maybe I'm working on my monkey on a project and then I don't take decisions. What I do is I describe to Helen or I say to Helen, this is the work that I've done. This is what I think we should do. But there is very clearly an expectation that Helen is the decision maker. And we can all recognise projects we do, I guess, that feel like that. I can certainly think of loads of examples of things I worked on that would have been level three initiative. Level four initiative is independent action. So you're taking the actions yourself and you share as you go. So you're sort of keeping somebody very informed and involved sort of on an ad hoc basis so let's say I'm working on um, a project almost every time I take you know medium or a big action I'm sort of letting Helen know so she could probably describe to somebody else at any one point in time exactly where I am on that project and exactly what I've done in quite a real-time way so it's quite high involvement from Helen as my manager And then level five initiative is where we are taking independent action. And rather than feeling like you have to share as you go, we share an agreed moment that happens as more of a kind of routine. So Helen and I have, let's say, a bi-weekly one-to-one. And we agree that in those meetings, that is the moment where I will update Helen on how I'm getting on with that project. I'm not recommending stuff. I'm not checking my actions as I go. There will be moments where Helen won't be 100% up to speed. But I will always be the person the most up to speed because I'm managing that monkey with level five initiative. And I think the most useful thing about this when I read it was thinking, well, for each of your really big monkeys, you know, the big projects you're working on, things you're spending lots of time on, knowing what level of initiative have you got and agreeing that really explicitly with your manager and everybody understanding the implications of those levels of initiative, because the lower the levels, the more likely it is that somebody else has to like share that monkey with you, which gets confusing, or someone else is basically having to do quite a lot of work on your monkey. So if I have lots of things that I have to recommend to Helen for approval, that means that it's difficult for me to manage my monkeys by myself. I'm sort of relying on Helen. Helen becomes a bottleneck. I'm always waiting for her. That doesn't feel like you've got control over the work that you're doing. And also it doesn't feel like you've got trust back to that high trust teams environment. And so just being really explicit and actually asking those questions around how do you need me to involve you in this project? When should we talk about this? Would this work for you? Does a weekly email update work? Shall we wait for our monthly one-to-ones? And actually feeling like you've got the space, freedom and autonomy to manage your own monkeys, I think is, is really important. And I think often these things do go unsaid. And we sometimes also don't challenge them. So I can even think of things within Amazing If where I think the team would come to Helen and I for approval. 
And I think we should be giving the team more space to either be level four, so to share as they go, or level five and just to share as part of one-to-ones. But probably because it's, you know, the nature of the business that we have and it's people would see like, well, you're the two co-founders, so it's your brand. I think then that means that sometimes creates less initiative than actually we would want. And that's almost, it happens accidentally and I think it happens unconsciously sometimes. So I think you've got to be transparent and try and create an environment where 80% of the time, everybody has got level five initiative over their monkeys. So we hope that that has been useful. If nothing else, it's been an insight into how Sarah and I work work together <laughs> and also into our state of mind right now, which is all kinds of, you know, last week, Sarah had COVID and we're in the midst of a book launch and there's all kinds of things happening. So hopefully you've got a bit of insight into us at the moment. And time management is always top of our priorities because it, it helps us to increase the impact through the work that we do. So it is, you know, hopefully it's been an interesting conversation, but it is one that's very important to us as well. And don't forget, you'll be able to get the pod sheet. So all of these things will be summarised on the pod sheet for you so that you can and reflect in your own time and next week's episode is another very exciting one is you coach you live so we have taken the you coach you live event that we did in london the you coach you live event that we did in manchester where we talked to lots and lots of different people to get their insights uh, sarah and i shared some ideas for action all around resilience as well and we've pulled it into one podcast for you so do not worry if you couldn't make either of those events the majority of people couldn't so don't worry but the majority of people can now listen to the podcast that's coming live next week so we hope you find that one interesting so as always thank you so much for listening if you have any topics that you want us to cover this year if you've got experts you'd like to hear from remember you can always get in touch with us we're just at amazing if or helen and sarah at amazingif.com and we always want your recommendations and your feedback and your ideas other than that thank you so much for listening we hope it's been a useful episode and we'll be back with you again soon bye for now bye everyone Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.